we've had traditional AI, if I can call it like that, for mm -hmm. years and years. We've seen generative AI come alive. And to be honest, we're starting to see some glimpses of artificial general intelligence in uh, generative artificial intelligence. So where you put that G makes a big, big difference. We do not have general artificial intelligence available. There is a heated debate in the industry as to whether it's possible. I personally believe it will happen. It's not science fiction. What we're going to see is quantum computing accelerate that. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. One of the current topics they talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. guest today is an accomplished technology executive and business head who has held multiple leadership positions across both service and product organizations in multiple countries. With a 30-year career, he is considered one of the top CTOs in the business. We're going to talk about all things AI and cloud today. Yet another exciting episode of Ed's Talk. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering, and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Let's talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Florin Rotar is the Chief AI Officer of Avanard. He drives the global AI strategy and execution across all parts of the business, spanning leadership, sales, solutions, delivery, capability, and the partner ESO system. He also accelerates Avanard's internal transformation, identifying new ways AI can disrupt, operate, and deliver for its clients. Flooring previously served as the Chief Technology Officer at Avenard, where he led the strategy development of the portfolio of solutions and services centered on emerging technologies and innovation. He is a member of the Forbes Technology Council and was recognized by Entrepreneur Magazine as one of the top 10 CTOs to watch in 2023. Florian is passionate about people-first AI innovation and co-authored the book, We the People, Human Purpose in a Digital Age, a guide to digital ethics for individuals, organization, and robots of all kinds. He holds a master's degree in telecommunications engineering from Lund University in Sweden and is a world citizen, having lived and worked in 10 countries across three continents. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Florian to Headstore. Delighted to have you here today. Thanks, Elaine. Thanks for having me and uh, rather embarrassed and blushing by that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well deserved, well deserved. And my listeners will know why when we get into the details of this conversation. Okay, you are a passionate speaker and enjoy talking about technology. So, you know, thank you for sparing the time today um, on Headstore. Um, Let's get right into it. Let's start with the beginnings of Avanard, mm -hmm. your organization, to where it is today. Sort of tell my listeners all about it and its links to um, Accenture and uh, Microsoft. Yeah, we we were set up um, 23 years ago um, as uh, probably the world's largest uh, joint venture investment back then. Um, mm -hmm. as a combination of Accenture and Microsoft. Um, and, um, over the years we've grown from, uh, you know, one, one person to 60,000 people around the world. Um, and what we do is professional services around the Microsoft ecosystem in, um, in the enterprise. Mm -hmm. And I would dare to say, you know, most joint ventures fail for one reason or another. Um, I think we're one, uh, exception to the rule because we are a 
yeah, we're, we we succeeded um, mm -hmm. um, as being the the child of two very famous Hollywood parents. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, we've highlighted this in the introduction, but let's elaborate. You've recently changed roles in Avanade from the Chief Technology Officer to the now Chief AI, Artificial Intelligence Officer. Firstly, That's congratulations right. on your new role. Uh, you, you. You, you, you were actually the first um, Chief AI Officer on Head's Talk, so that's pretty much a sign of the times. Um, just, just give us an introduction to your new role as Chief AI Officer and how this differs to the previously held role of Chief Technology Officer. Yeah, so... Um... We believe that our industry, uh, professional services, has the opportunity of really, really changing pretty much fundamentally over the coming 12, 18 months in a way we've never seen before. So we believe this is going to affect everything around our value proposition, uh, the products and services that we sell, our commercial models. Uh, the way we attract and retain uh, people, the way we serve our clients. So we discovered that, you know, in order for us to move at speed, but mm -hmm. have the right level of risk reward and do this in a responsible way, mm -hmm. we needed to have somebody in the executive team who is really focused on driving and, you know, organizing and governing mm -hmm. this um uh, this journey. So I think you're probably going to see a lot of chief AI officers mm. um, visit your 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 series over the coming months and years because mm. you know it's not just professional services. It's media and entertainment. It's uh, financial services. It's healthcare. Pretty much every industry is you know mm. impacted by generative AI. So um, yeah, that's um, that's the remit of my role. It will become ubiquitous, I think. Um, I'm In my research, I was looking at something that you said, which interests me, and I just want to quickly pick it up. It's still pertaining mm -hmm. to the role. You, you talked about difficult questions. I want to know what are the difficult questions that need to be asked in AI? This is in reference to your recent summit you attended, and I quote, it's the word of the moment, but let's look at real deployment in business. What is that difficult question? So there, there are a couple of, of difficult questions, actually. Um, and I would say the first one is around really asking the fundamental why mm -hmm. rather than focusing on the what. Um, because there is so much excitement and, dare I say, hype in the world today with generative AI that, you know, organizations are sort of jumping into production and the path to production is relatively straightforward, but the path to value is not necessarily all that straightforward. So truly asking yourself the why as a business, how that aligns with your principles, your values, your culture, your objective as, a, as an organization is really, really fundamental to avoid disappointment and to make sure this is more than just a shiny new object and a fun mm -hmm. technology to mm -hmm. you know to brag about mm -hmm. um i think the second really difficult question is related to the fact that this is more about people than technology and mm -hmm. it's kind of weird coming from a cto <laughs> um yes but i the majority of my focus is actually more about how do we use this to really empower people to become the best versions of themselves, to help people gain new skills, new capabilities, to accelerate their career, to do things they weren't perhaps imagining that they would be able or capable of, of doing, and to truly figure out how AI in general and particularly generative AI can be used to empower people rather than just focusing on productivity, automation, cost reduction and so forth. And I, I, I feel like, you know, we're on a mission. I'm on a personal mission to, to help organizations to understand that you know, it, the, yes, this is a cool piece of technology. Yes, you need to think about your data, your data platform. Yes, you need to have, you know, a certain level of cloud maturity. 
but it's actually first and foremost a people topic. Um, it's a people first topic. So those those would be the 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 sort of the two main topics, the two difficult questions that I I think we need to ask ourselves as an industry. I think that's that's an interesting statement coming from a a, a CTO. It's sort of the people first, but that's the sign of the times once again. Um, I'm I'm wondering if you know some of the difficult questions, the other difficult questions in that space. Does it cover weighing ethical considerations over yeah. commercial and profitable ones? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I do think and very strongly believe that having an ethical um, and a responsible AI framework in place is absolutely mandatory. And my you know, very strong message to us as an organization, but to all of the clients that we work with is do not do any generative AI unless you have a responsible AI framework in place. It's yeah. the right thing to do, but it's actually also not just sort of attacks, it can and should be used as an enabler for competitive advantage if done right. So I don't think it's actually a conflict between doing the ethical thing and doing uh, something which makes business sense. Mm -hmm. I think that distinction is actually artificial. All right. Okay, good, good. And and quickly before I move on, um, mm. do you want to tell me about your interest in Ted Chiang novels, you see, we we do our research on guests on Heads Talk. I mean, is this fascination with him and his novels related to your new role? <laughs> oh wow, uh, you've you've really uh, you've really done your uh, your research. Yes, um, um, he's one of my my favorite authors, and he does have a novel, um, I, a short novel, which I I forget the name of, but it's about. Um, um sort of superhumans mm -hmm. which are doing research um on a level and a set of topics which has become impossible for normal humans to understand and digest anymore and i it just triggers my thinking around the fact that again i think we have a responsibility and as an industry i have a responsibility as an individual Mm -hmm. to make sure that never happens in real life, that we never have this distinction between people who are enabled by AI and people who are unenabled, that we sort of have this once in a multi-generational opportunity, actually the first time since the Industrial Revolution to break down the barriers between white-collar workers or blue-collar workers, if you want to call them like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also really highlighting to me the importance of transparent, ethical, explainable AI, where you do not have this black box, which is reasoning on a level which humans no longer understand, and you're faced with back, you're, you're back against the wall mm -hmm. of, of something which has happened. Because I, I do think, I really, really do think that AI has the ability to help us as a human race to solve some of the world's most challenging problems around you know wealth inequality and education and healthcare and maybe sustainability and i i just think we need to have transparent explainable ethical ai so we don't end up in um, you know some of the mm. the darker visions of tenchian <laughs> yeah, I think the book you're talking about is um, Stories of Life and Others. And yes. For my listeners, exactly. if they're interested in getting a hold of that, a copy of that book. Um, I, I want to talk about one of your solutions and service offerings within Avenar, that is cloud and application services. Um, yeah. I see on your site that um, Avenard is described yeah. as, and I'm, I'm quoting you if I can find it, yeah, the, the leading provider of innovative digital cloud and advisory services, industry solutions, and design-led experiences across the Microsoft ecosystem. Um, we've had Microsoft leaders on Heads Talk before, mm. and they've talked about the Microsoft ecosystem and being one of the first to understand the customer journey and mm. what that term really means. Um, mm. I want to know in your own words a, a, a couple of things. The first is, within Avenard, what is 
your understanding of the customer journey in terms of cloud provision? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really good question. So, I mean, we, we ourselves, we've been fully in the cloud for, for years and years. Um, so we are to some extent or to a large extent, a cloud native organization. And now we're transitioning to be an AI native organization. But I think generally, um, the cloud journey has been, in my opinion, a little bit too much around getting to cloud as soon as humanly possible with a bit of a naive expectation that value would automatically come. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what we see our clients focusing on is how do you actually do not become obsessed with consumption, but actually how do you do more with less and how do you extract value out of the cloud maturity which you currently have and i do think again without sounding self-serving but i do think ai is such a wonderful opportunity for companies to either consume ready-made ai to customize ai with their own data and their own values and principles and sometimes even create their own ai and leverage this capability which you know, not too long ago was something that maybe, you know, only Microsoft and Amazon and Google and Facebook would have this level of artificial intelligence maturity. And now it's literally available to millions of organizations and billions of people. Decentralized. Um, yeah. So I, I think that journey of moving from consumption to focus on value focus on doing more with less and you know AI mm -hmm. being the catalyst and the driver for this is the the uh, the pattern where we're seeing the strongest right now and when you know we've been lucky enough that we picked up the signals around generative AI already three years ago so we've seen this firsthand with with hundreds of programs around the true value you can get and extract from cloud with uh, with generative AI mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, the, the, the second part of it is what are some of the smaller and niche cloud providers doing favorably that some of the bigger players should take note? You know, ex example case studies would be great. Yeah. Well, so in, in full transparency, I mean, we, we are um, very focused and biased, dare I say, towards the Microsoft cloud. Um, so, you know, my my opinion is colored and my experience is obviously uh, uh, colored as well. But what I do think, um, uh, or, you know, cloud providers are doing good is when they have an industry focus. Because I, I think this this is becoming more and more a specific capability, which is unique to the opportunities and challenges and peculiarities of a specific industry and the more focused you can be in helping customers truly address the functional and industry challenges they have rather than worrying too much about um, the horizontal dimension the technology dimension i think you know the more the more value you provide. And I think the second dimension is um, embedding AI natively in all of the services and capabilities that you're providing as a cloud provider. And, and I think there are so many dimensions of this as to whether, you know, how you use AI to manage and operate the security of the cloud or how you use AI um, to help um, end users create their own low code applications in a no code manner with, um, you know, with generative AI constructed applications via a natural user interface or mm -hmm. how you provide, you know, ready-made 
AI with with co-pilots to help the change the way you run your meetings or the way you create mm -hmm. content. So I think embedding AI into all into the whole entire fabric of an of a cloud, whether it's you know services via AI or AI powered services, I think that's you know another good differentiation I would encourage people to look at. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, just frankly, we we've had the opportunity to use um, Copilot in for months now um, to change the way that you know our people are dealing with Office, um, the way we we write emails, the the way we write um, um, PowerPoints, the way we manage our meetings and. Mm -hmm. Be honest it's entirely changed the way i do my virtual meetings right now and that's not something we had to build ourselves we you know consumed it ready-made and it's yeah. it's made a huge yeah. difference so yeah mm. excellent um let, let's continue this conversation with you you talked about generative ai and i assume mm. that'll be part of the next answer so we're moving closer into your space and your mm. current role remit i i want this question to focus on um, next generation cloud. Um, how does it, next generation cloud, differ from the cloud of recent paths? It's it is related to um, having AI first become what we've had with cloud first. So I think if you, if you look at sort of the the generation of technology we've had, you know, it's we've we've moved from mobile first to cloud first and now we're in a in an AI first world and mm -hmm. I, I do think it's going to rapidly increase the time to market for um, cloud services even more because the efficiency and effectiveness gains we're seeing in terms of how fast you can become developing new applications and new solutions it's sometimes several orders of magnitude uh, faster than previously possible. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see AI co-pilots being used to manage and operate cloud environments in mm -hmm. a more intelligent and more effective way than we would have had in the past. And whether it's how you do cloud operations or security operations, um, they sort of teaming between people and AI co-pilots is going to become standard. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think we're going to have to see this wonderful opportunity for companies to find the right balance between when they want to consume AI services, which the cloud providers are giving them, Mm -hmm. when and why they want to customize their own AI um, with a little bit more effort. Uh, and you've got to find the right balance of value and, and effort, but customize AI with your own company's values and principles and uh, data and objectives. Um, and, you know, in some instances, companies will want to build their own AI. And again, that is becoming feasible. It was completely unfeasible or unrealistic mm. just a year ago it would have costed you know 50 yes. million dollars and today we're talking at a, a fraction of that so i i do think next generation cloud is you know cloud first is, is becoming ai first and ai first is becoming cloud first if it makes sense yes yes it does and uh, thank you for giving us some details in terms of how ai is sort of disrupting um, cloud um, computing and, and service provision. It would be, it would be interesting to know what are some of the new roles being developed in this space, or will be developed in this space. You must be seeing gaps where these roles need to be filled. Yeah. So I, I think um, you know my role, and again, I'm I'm obviously a little bit partial here, but I do think we're going to see a lot of chief AI officers as a role emerge because the the balancing between technology, the human and humane dimension, the legal dimension, 
the risk dimension, mm -hmm. um, the, the sort of the business value dimension will require um, an ability in the C-suite to make some difficult decisions and to move, uh, you know, move fast in a responsible way. Um, I, you know, I think the role of AI ethicist um, or maybe AI ambassador even mm -hmm. um, to help organizations approach this in the right way where they truly durably embrace a responsible AI approach. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't do this only because they have to, but because they they see how programmatically embedding your company's cultures and values and principles and norms into AI systems to make them real every single day, every hour of the day, and come alive in all of the applications and services you do. And basically encode the company culture you want to have um, mm -hmm. and make it real in a way which is not just, you know, hypothetical and aspirational talk from the CEO or something mm -hmm. theoretical you have on a PowerPoint on or in your dot com, but something which, you know, comes alive in in the way you use AI. I, I think that is going that is a really, really critical role. And, I, I know I, I might sound a little bit theoretical on this as I'm I'm realizing as I'm describing this. So let me just give you an example of how we, you know, how we brought this up to life. So, you know, we we as a company have um values and principles around making a genuine human impact and making sure that every single one of our employees have a voice. So mm -hmm. The way we're using Copilot is to help our people who might have previously struggled with maybe dyslexia or accessibility challenges or just feeling nervous about, you know, starting with a clean sheet of paper um, when they need to create a deliverable um, with um, a Copilot, which is helping them create you know, using the institutional knowledge we have in the company, mm -hmm. um, the work of thousands of their colleagues to create a 0.5 version of a deliverable, whether it's a document or an analysis or a presentation or an, or an email, and sort of helping them overstep and, and overcome, I should rather say, not overstep, overcome the challenges they might have had before starting from scratch and you know we've just discovered that you know we, we've got some brilliant people some very skilled and passionate colleagues who weren't able to give their best because of you know mm -hmm. uh, the, cha the challenges around starting from scratch and we've seen them blossom we've seen them gain yeah. new skills more confidence do a better job feel happier at work and i think you know this is the example of we're not just we shouldn't just look at productivity and efficiency and you know we we believe everyone matters every voice should be heard and and you know use this diverse and inclusive population of employees we have to do a better job so that's for example the role of a you know an ai ambassador or a digital ethicist to make sure that ai is being used for mm -hmm. good um, because AI can power up and accelerate the good in a company, but it can also amplify the bad, um, mm -hmm. um, which we definitely want to avoid. That's interesting. I think at the, the very beginning of this, you talked about, in sort of in answering this question, you talked about the chief AI officer um, having a more important role now, and, there, and there'll be more of them coming along. Mm. Would you would you say they will become as important as a CFO? You know, having sort of the ear of the the CEO um, on the executive table. I I I definitely think so. Um, so you know, I, I I find myself pretty much every single day um, engaging with boards, which mm -hmm. we never used to do before, because this has become a 
really fundamental topics for most boards um, because there is a realization that, you know, this is going to change a number of industries, but there are some industries which are fundamentally going to be transformed. Mm -hmm. um, media, entertainment, professional services, financial services are the first ones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is going to append business models. It's going to append value chains. The next trillion dollar company is probably just being founded somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it's going to change the look of the executive table because the chief data officer, the, the chief AI officer, the chief data and analytics officer, they're pivotal now in this day and age. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening, even the chief sustainability officer. Yeah. So, so fascinating yeah. times. Yeah. I mean, the one, the one thing I would say, Elaine, I just remembered, you know, you asked about new roles and I, I think another role we're seeing emerge right now is the role of prompt engineer, mm -hmm. uh, i.e. having the skills and the know-how of how you engage with AI, with AI in a way which is effective, efficient, um, and that's not necessarily natural um, mm -hmm. to a lot of people because we, you know, we have some bad habits we've picked up ever since uh, yeah. we started working. But I actually, so you know, but I actually do believe we believe as a company that everybody is going to become a prompt engineer. So um, we're taking all of our sixty thousand people through prompt engineering training because we all need to unlearn all habits and learn how to interact with co-pilots. And you know, today we all take granted that for granted that everybody knows how how to browse internet how to write how to write an email how to create a powerpoint presentation but all of that is going to change with ai and we just need to get everybody to that understanding and experience of how to how to work with a co-pilot so you know today yes we have roles of uh, prompt engineers I would dare to say 18 months from now, every single one of us is going to be a prompt engineer and that is going to be a basic required skill for everybody. A prompt engineer, all right, interesting. Okay, um, but this this one is a fascinating one because you know everything is linked these days or conversion. Mm -hmm. How does this link with the other big topics and areas of business such as quantum computing, intelligent computing, huh. edge computing even. These are all nice buzzwords that we hear. Yeah. How does that link in with AI and um, next generation cloud? If if only I would have a crystal ball, uh, like, <laughs> I, would be a, I would be a rich uh, person. Uh, so, I, I mean, full disclosure, I can only speculate and guess, but to share my my thoughts. So, you know, clearly we've had um, traditional AI, if I can call it like that, for mm -hmm. years and years. We've seen generative AI um, uh, come alive. And to be honest, we're starting to see some glimpses of artificial general intelligence in uh, generative artificial intelligence. So where you put that G, makes a big, big difference. We do not have general artificial intelligence available. There is a heated debate in the industry as to whether it's possible mm -hmm. uh, at all. Um, I personally believe it will happen um, in, I don't dare to say how many years, but it's not science fiction. And I think what we're going to see is quantum computing accelerate that mm -hmm. so quantum computing gives us the speed the raw speed and the ability to um to work on so many more um uh, parameters once we get the, the the hardware good enough to be able to have you know, not just a few dozen qubits, but, you know, maybe thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of qubits. Mm -hmm. When you combine that with um, uh, with generative artificial intelligence, I think 
we are going to see a new world emerge. Um, and I don't want to sound like over, um, you know, over overly dramatic, but I, I do think it will, we're going to enter a new era, um, even more important than the industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I am, I know there's a lot of doom and gloom. I know there's a lot of doom and gloom about this, about jobs and the roles of, and the roles mm -hmm. of people and mm -hmm. so forth. But mm -hmm. I do generally believe that we're going to be able to address some of the most challenging issues that humankind is facing around, you know, um, sustainability, uh, access to food, um, wealth inequality, healthcare. I mean, we're already seeing generative AI come up with drugs, which historically would have taken decades for people mm. to figure mm. out if ever. So mm. I, I am very optimistic about the future, but I, I do think, again, I'm, I come back to this, we do need the responsible AI frameworks, the, the, the thinking to use this in a responsible way and not to get carried away by the technology, even though, you know, buzzwords mm -hmm. and technology is cool, um, but to use this in a way which serves people. Mm -hmm. um, so I think regulation is important it is absolutely necessary but it is not enough um because technology actually moves fa much faster than regulation and i would say regulation yes, is the lowest common denominator or you know the lowest bar you should put i i do think we need to look way more ambitiously beyond just regulation um regulation would tell you what not to do and and how you know how to do it we need to ask ourselves why and should we mm -hmm. um and regulation i don't think can cover that um so yeah um we need to look beyond regulation okay okay um you you touched upon it um uh, sustainability um and still in the cloud operations um it's another hot topic uh, so let's talk about it within um, cloud operations. How and what do you advise clients in terms of ensuring and managing sustainable cloud provisions? You know, what are the some of the issues in this space? That's um that's a really good question. Um, so you know, clearly, generative AI requires a fair amount of computing power, um, and clearly, that computing power would can come at a cost of energy usage and that energy usage can obviously be sustainable or or, or not be sustainable um i think we've we've had a bit of over obsession with the energy consumption of gpus mm -hmm. and by all means you know gpus do consume energy and that energy you know you could ask yourself is it the best usage of the energy and i come back to the fundamental question around why are you doing this in the first place? Are you using generative AI to create something which truly matters? Are you using generative AI to do something which helps advance the world to make an impact to a business, to help people? Or are you using generative AI just to create more content? um and do we really need more content does the world you know does the internet <laughs> uh <laughs> more more uh more content and you know i i know how i feel about that and you know you but he goes he goes back to the original way. statement of the clearly answering the why before the why we, I so think... whether we can it's the should we rather than whether could we exactly those are the two most fundamental questions in my opinion is why rather than what and mm -hmm. should we rather than can we because mm -hmm. we can mm -hmm. the question it needs to be should we and why should we mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay and um is it possible just 
for you to give me your definition of sustainable cloud operations, what does that mean? I mean, it's a nice phrase, but when you look at it, are, are we talking about, you know, water usage for cooling data centers? What, what are we talking about? Locations of data centers? What, what, are we, what, what is your definition of that? Oh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm, you know, the ultimate expert in, um, in, in, in this space. I, I think it's all of the above and more. I mean, it's, it's natural resources. It's, uh, all natural resources. I think it goes into the people dimension as well. Is it sustainable from a people dimension? You know, um, there, there are people which are needed to, you know, help train and manage AI model. Is that mm -hmm. done in a sustainable and, and, uh, uh, and yeah. an ethical way? Do, you know, does the cloud have the basic ethical principles in place around what it is allowed to be used for and, and what it shouldn't be used for. So I think it, it you know, it, it goes, my, in my opinion, and this is very personal for me, it goes beyond, quote unquote, just energy and water. It It's, again, it goes back to purpose, it, it goes back to people, it, it's all the resources, you know, human resources and natural resources that are being used to manage an, an, an operating cloud environment. It's, yeah, it's, it's how you use all the important resources, and that includes human resources, basically. Indeed. Okay, okay, okay. Let's end this episode of Ed's Talk um, with a couple of questions. The first is about um, the future. It, sort of, it'd be interesting to know, for someone that enjoys talking about technology stroke people, um, mm. what excites you most about the technology that's being deployed in this space the the bit which makes me excited is that we have a unique chance to make a genuine human impact and actually to challenge some of the status quo we've had as a as an industry as a society for for decades if if not uh if if not longer and mm -hmm. i i think you know the the old definition or division i should rather say we've had since the industrial revolution between you know white collar workers and blue collar workers and managers and top management and so forth i think those notions are being appended i think you know, we have an, a, a fantastic opportunity to help people become the best versions of themselves, to enable people to realize their true potential. But I also think we have this really deep responsibility in terms of not creating new divisions between enabled mm -hmm. and unenabled people. And I, I know I maybe sound like an idealist and maybe I sound like a I don't know a hippie or something <laughs> uh, certainly not sounding like a CTO but I, I so genuinely and deeply believe in the human potential and the potential of AI to amplify humanity and to amplify goodness now putting that aside I, I do also see tremendous business value being created um business value which would have been almost unrealistic expectations two years ago being a reality now in terms of you know how uh, functions are being run how um, organizations uh, engage with their customers how they develop uh, new products how they develop new services how they run their budgeting and forecasting how they manage their supply chains mm -hmm. I, I just think there is so much potential to truly generate value now that we, you know, we have the the dog years of moving to the cloud mostly behind us. Uh, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, it's less about the journey to cloud; it's more the journey in cloud, mm -hmm. and, and finally having that ability to extract value. So. I, I think, you know, this duality of, you know, empowering people, um, being people focused and human centric, but then at the same time, truly accelerating the the value that a 
an everyday organization, normal organization, which is not necessarily born in the cloud, can leverage. I'm I'm quite excited about that. Um, what's your view on decentralized AI? Um, it's certainly a hot and debated topic. I I think we've clearly been in a world where AI has AI, sorry, and especially generative AI has been something restricted to only a few companies and only a few models. Um, I do think we are moving to a world where, which is going to be, is it um, decentralized? I would rather say it's the more democratized with more choices and more abilities. So I think, you know, the, the question of centralization and decentralization can easily get, you know, quite political and, and mm -hmm. uh, very opinionated. I, I do think we should strive towards democratized AI and whether, you know, the how of that is and what degree of centralization and mm. or decentralization I don't know if that I have the right answer for that, but but I, I do know about the democratization objective of the reason uh, I ask this question because the thread through our conversation has been you talking about really what you're talking about is responsibility, real responsibility, real accountability with the use of this technology yes. and, and the people first element. Hmm. And so I just thought, well, if this is kind of distributed, not from sort of a centralized form, but distributed. How how does it address the thing that's been running through this conversation in terms of you're talking about human responsibility, taking responsibility? Yeah. You say regulations is the bottom line, but then yes. there's obviously several layers above that. But the several mm -hmm. layers above that requires human control, human yes. commitment. Yes, maybe some kind of maybe laws is the second layer before regulations, yeah. whatever. So that's why I think you you, you say and you've said it. You say, that's why you're sounding more optimistic as opposed to this will be am i right in saying that yes i i am i am optimistic um i i do think um encouragingly it seems to me like the good part is uh whether it's you know organizations or countries or whatever um who have the right intent are making faster and better progress with AI than you know the the more questionable parties which have perhaps less good intent that that makes me more optimistic about the future but I also think you know we as humans have dealt with powerful technology in the past admittedly maybe not quite as powerful as AI can be mm. but you know mostly we've we've done this in a good way, whether it's, you know, electricity, uh, and I, I know this is maybe a silly analogy, right? But electricity is quite powerful. It can be used for good, it can be used for bad, it's indispensable to us now. And, you know, we've developed ways that, that it can, for most of the time, be used in a responsible way to, you know, to advance humanity. Now, AI is, yeah, well, to some extent, I mean, you know, you it, it doesn't take that much gen to generate <laughs> uh, electricity <laughs> either. Uh, but obviously, I mean, with, with AI, um, um, it's so much more powerful than electricity yes. without yes. stating the obvious, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I do believe um, we need laws, we need regulation, um, but I'm, I'm an inherent optimist to believe that you know, we we as human, most of the time, we want to do the right thing. We want to do the the uh, uh, the ethical thing, and you know, good will succeed. And the benefits of solving things we as humans have tried to solve for years, decades, maybe hundreds of years, are so much overweighing the you know the uh, the risks and the challenges. We will see. We will see about that, Florian. And, and briefly, um, very, very briefly, what were your main takeaways from the, the recent Corporate Board Member Summit? Yeah, so 
Yeah, so I, I, I got the privilege of being invited to the uh, the corporate boardroom summit in New York a couple of weeks ago. And um, one of the things which um, surprised me, though it shouldn't surprise me, but it is how much generative AI is top of the agenda for pretty much every single mm. board. Um, and I was heartened to see how strategic they think about it, um, uh, how ambitiously they they um, uh, they think about it. But also, um, to, you know, in full transparency, that the um, the understanding is a little bit theoretical still. Um, and you know, just for fun, we we did a, a bit of a demo of how a co-pilot could be used as a corporate secretary in a um, in a board meeting, um, which is quite trivial, actually. Uh, well, it shouldn't be. Tr it's it's um, a lot of sophisticated technology, but making it real is quite trivial. And it was really interesting to see this being the first time many board directors had the opportunity to see generative AI being used yes. for real in a business setting and how much of an eye-opener it was around the art of the possible. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know. So we, so we still have leaders that have, have not, or do not appreciate the, 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 the capacity of generative AI and what it can do for business. You're saying we're still in that space. I think, you know, every single one of them had experimented with ChatGPT in their spare time. Um, but it, it, you know, I think I saw a lot of eyebrows raised and sort of inspirational thinking going when they started to see how this could be used in a business setting with a co-pilot, which is trained on your company's data, which has the ethical dimensions in place, mm -hmm. which is, you know, able to reason on, um, you know, in 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 the same way that um, a, a a board secretary would be able to uh, to do, and how much value that would bring. So, that was a little bit of a surprise for me. I. I um, and and you know quite delightful actually, but I think it's a, um, for me. I think it's a it's a kind of a good surprise because if that is if that is the case and it's the case across the board or you know fairly across the board, then that gives regulations a chance to catch up because that's always behind yeah. the times. So that gives regulations some chance of catching up. So you know there's there's, there's hope as they say. Indeed, indeed. Okay. Um, Florian Rotar, a, a great conversation, a great thinking conversation today on Headstore. Many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you, Elaine. Thanks for having me here. And uh, you, you were asking some very difficult questions. Thank you for uh, keeping me on my toes a little bit. <laughs>for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.